0: This is Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, we're leaving a tip. If you've been to a coffee shop or ridden an Uber or even paid for your haircut in the last few years, you've probably been in the most awkward position in American society. That moment when the worker behind the counter turns the interface around and presents you options to leave a tip. The poor workers have to stand there and try not to make it awkward when you choose between 15%, 20%, 25%, a custom amount, or in some cases as high as 30%. And you have to decide if the awkwardness outweighs the economics of tipping. Tipping has for a long time been the bane of American patrons, as well as service workers and laborers. Economists have tried to explain that tips are just subsidies for actual wage increases, And with apps like Uber and DoorDash tying your experience to how well you tip, the social pressure is as high as it's ever been. Cities like DC and Chicago are trying to change that, but their solutions may be doing more harm than good. It's called an ultimatum game or a dictator game. It's about power, precedent, and peer pressure, and it's costing just about all of us. And welcome to episode eighty-three of Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision making. And Chris, the sick, sick boy. For those of you that follow us on Instagram.com or the X or Zeter or whatever they're calling it, um, you were the sick, sick boy, and are you you're alive and well now?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling substantially better. It was not COVID. I tested negative for that twice. That's still a concern. the The pandemic is actually genuinely over. You guys, like, I mean. It's, it, it is on the basis of like public health organizations like WHO said it's no longer a global emergency. U.S. Egg, excess deaths, which is just like a weird idea. <laughs> Those are no longer elevated since they've been like they've been since the beginning of the pandemic. So it actually is over uh, despite whatever talk about waves and whatever else. But it wasn't that. I uh, just got the sniffles, I think, for a few days. Yeah, you don't really miss uh, work or school, but you did,
0: and that—that's that, what happened. I did. So you were pretty sick, uh, but then at the end of the weekend, we got together to play some chess and, of course, watch a um, little football. The the, the the team we watched, of course, over in in Europe, the Tottenham Hotspur won their match, which is what we were excited for and waiting for all day. That's a
1: joke. Chris hates soccer. It makes me it makes me sick to think that that could have gone on in my household on uh, purpose. Uh, yeah, uh, Look, Notre Dame. I, I know. I know. We we have some player three out there. I just, I, I can only apologize for my disdain for soccer. It's just, it, it's the size of the field that gets me. It's the bottom basement scores on average that get me. It's the lack of excitement. It's the riots that uh, get sure. me. I, I just, I, I can't do soccer, you guys. I like drama as much as the next guy, but I you're need a hater. it in like
0: Basically you're a hater. several second you drink bursts. your haterade. Just a lot of haterade from you. Yeah, sports have begun college football uh I just moved to Knoxville and the students are back rush week happened it was exciting for everyone and now like we are here the best time of the year it is fall it's our favorite time of the year it's when we do some of our best work allegedly quote-unquote I think it's I'm when not we 100%. do some of our
1: work yeah when we, we do some of our work today's one you, is, are we are we just gonna what? are we gonna are we gonna blow past the fact that you just moved to a new city uh, you got new digs yeah those so, of you are watching on youtube.com in the year 2025 I guess is when I'm gonna I'm guessing you're going to get around to this. This is not
0: going to be on YouTube because we still haven't picked a client. So I'm just moving in still. There's a bed frame in my background. Uh, Yeah, it's a mess right now. This is the last room to go through. There's a couple outlets and things that aren't working that hopefully will be fixed this week. But we are here. We are proud. You're a homeowner now. Yes,
1: allegedly. Yes. No, not allegedly. Real life really. Yeah, you you actually signed documents. Like legally, you're on the hook for that thing.
0: I'm on the hook for it. And I also own it. I have the the best piece of uh, investment. That you can have as an American, a, a plot of land in this this fine country of ours. That's right. Joint um, fruit. Yeah. So tipping today, um, we've edged around this topic a number of times with DoorDash and some other stuff, and I think the Wall Street Journal published their weekend essay about tipping, and it is time for tipping, and of course they <sighs> missed the opportunity to say. The headline that everybody wanted them to say, which is that America's fight over tipping at restaurants comes to the biggest battleground yet, or America's fight over tipping at restaurants comes to tipping point or the tipping point. There was, a, there was, wow, a, that's, that's really good. There's something that's there. really good yeah, stuff. Hold up. Thank you. Um, it was there. I, I mean, I don't know. The New York Post would have done it.
1: They well, I I, it. I I think tipping point. I wonder if there was like an editorial decision made for not using that particular pump because it's, it, it's right there. It's the lowest hanging fruit and the New York times does generally go for the low hanging fruit. Oh, but I true. do think that there is, I think there's like an actual game theory model like called tipping point games. Yes. And it's, that's different than the concept of we're referring to gratuities for services or goods provided. This is a largely American topic. So if you're, listening to us from somewhere outside the United States and tipping is not part of your culture. This could be like a, a culture shock episode. Honestly, this
0: would be an episode where all of our European friends, and there are a number of them and some Australian friends as well, can can listen and be like, ha ha, idiots. idiots.
1: Yeah, we'll try to shout up to you from all the way up there on your high horse as we talk about <laughs> this weird, uniquely American uh, kind stupid. of yeah. silly circle jerk of tipping.
0: Yes, it's the worst thing ever. So let's start, let's start like the, I don't know, we're not going to do the history of tipping. It's real easy for the most part. Minimum wage is a law in the United States. It's the actual minimum wage that a grown up can make, or I think it's the youngest fifteen in some states, sixteen in most states, eighteen in certain jobs, and in every state, for your job, it's the minimum wage. When I was working, Chris, my first job at a movie theater was seven
1: thirty-five in Wyoming. That's pretty good. It's That's impactful. pretty good amount of money for what did you even do there? Just like hand people popcorn? I wasn't
0: actually allowed to work the popcorn machine because I just had surgery. So he said uh, you can't do things with your right arm. I did the register and sodas.
1: Wow. So, so yeah. does the left arm activity.
0: No, it's just, I had an arm and I could only do a couple of things. Like the, the doctor literally, my surgeon literally said no sweeping. And they're like, well, we do a lot of sweeping. I'm like, well, wow. I don't. <laughs> did you no trash. get paid for your job? I did. 735 an hour. Um, And the, 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 the theater. I should have said,
1: did you get tipped for your job? I did That's not. What I, I knew tipped. you, I knew you get paid. You just said you got paid. Yes,
0: I did say that. And welcome back a uh, little COVID brain fog there, but not COVID, COVID, not COVID. Um, no, I'd not get tipped, but I, I I imagine now movie theaters might have tipping screens <laughs> where they turn things around. So, this is, let's talk about where this shit got out of control. So, minimum wage is whatever it is. However, except in the industry service, the, 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 the business, the, the industry, as they call it, restaurants, minimum wage is allowed to be substantially lower than actual minimum wage because they're like, well, they make tips. And of course, everybody with the braid is like, well, they have to split them and those are kind of taxed differently and what if one server does well and then maybe they should pull their money and what ends up happening is that the restaurant ownership group or owner gets to make a lot more money and then the... The patrons end up paying the service themselves, so that's how this started. And then with the invention well, of the touchscreen, we now we have the stupid flip around
1: screen. So that's where we're at, right? Well, now. well, hang, well hang on, hang on. We're going, we're we're blazing into this topic with yes. no context whatsoever. Correct. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna back it up and we're okay. gonna talk about like what actually is the origin of tipping. All right, that's fine with me. It seems like an intuitive practice to go out to enjoy goods and services, you go out to a restaurant, you expect to enjoy yourself probably in the company of others, possibly by yourself, however you want to do it. And the point is that you go to a place and you pay money so that you can be given good products that are desirable and you can be given an enjoyable experience. So people who are working at that establishment that you go to are professionals in the art of making the products that you desire and giving them to you in a way that makes you feel good, like you enjoy yourself. And in service industries like that, it's a really personal thing. I mean, you have to deal with somebody whose job is there to, like, take care of you. And, and, and that's true, by the way, even in, like, the lowliest of the low truck stop McDonald's is that sure. you and I have frequented in road trips over the years. Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, people who work at places like that are service professionals, and, you know, their job is to, like, take care of the needs of the people who come there. So even when it's not, like, fancy, fine dining it's still a really personable experience, I think. And so yeah. you get this kind of weird, almost like, I, I, I feel like the word is almost parasocial. Parasocial. The relationship that you get uh, between yourself and the server.
0: You, your body rejected that word. That was a Washington, D.C. word if I've, ever, <laughs> <laughs> if I've ever heard one. Uh, you know your roadcaster has a mute button. Does or it? when you're cough, Yeah, so well, here, we're going to do this right, right now because I can hear Chris's cough. That was so funny. So well, your mic is I was, is plugged I was in. clearing
1: my throat, first of all. I'm mm-hmm. not
0: still ill. Yeah, obviously. The red button means no. The green button means super loud. And the way that they are now means baseline. <laughs> oh, great. Yes. So there you go. Next time, instead of uh, up chucking on our show, you can do that. Anyway, let's get back to this tipping thing. I agree. The parasocial the word that your body rejected, the, the relationship that you have with people, specifically as a, I'm a man with routine. I go to the same two or three coffee shops constantly to the point where everywhere I've lived, they can look at me and be like, you'll have the thing. And I'll be like, yeah, I'll have the thing. And occasionally be like, well, you'll have the other thing. Like, yeah, I'll have the other thing. I have two usuals at my coffee shops.
1: So I have, like, you, I have, have a relationship that, with people. Have you seen that? Uh, there's a, a Reddit post that goes around every once in a while that like makes rounds on like those uh, those meme accounts on Twitter and Instagram. There, this, this kid tells a story of he walks into a Starbucks one time and saw a cute barista, and got a crush, and then he, he's like, I went into that Starbucks every day for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And one day I walked in there with a lot of confidence, and I said, I'll have my usual. And she said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's absolutely heartbreaking uh, for this kid. I was
0: like, dude, I'm here every day. And she's like, I don't know who you
1: are. <laughs> Yeah, get the same thing at the same time so he can have the same interaction with the same cute barista. has no clue that he's doing this. Well, so this
0: is a good segue into the tipping thing. So the the coffee shop that was local in North Carolina where we used to go – was really cool. The Vegan Bakery, I've mentioned it a number of times in the show, they did, for their black coffee, they just did self-service. So they would give you the cup, and then they had a line of coffees. You pick your own. Some were neato, some were seasonal, and some were just basic. right? So then they would. I would walk in at like 6.30 in the morning, maybe going to work with the wife or whatever, and the the lady, the girl behind the counter, at the, I guess maybe 19 to 25, somewhere in there, would look at me, and she'd go, essentially like, hold a cup as I walked in, unless it was busy, which it wasn't, or then I would go, one or two. Like two? I mean, two wow. of those or one? Like that's how often I was there. She knew exactly what was impressive. happening. Yeah. So, um, but the self-service part of that is a, a, an interesting conundrum, right? Because when you slide your credit card there, they turn the screen around. And they're like, would you like the tip? I'm like, well, you pressed, you put the coffee in the thing, you put the water in the thing, you handed me the cup. No, I don't think so. I don't. But when you have a relationship with these people on a daily basis, it gets a little bit more intense than that. I will say emphatically that I tipped for my afternoon cappuccino. And I understand that there's a woman going viral right now that's saying having a cappuccino in the afternoon is weird and you shouldn't do it. It's a breakfast drink and that it would be just as weird to see in America someone eating a hot dog for breakfast. First of all, when you're a back-to-back World War II champion, you can have whatever Italian coffee at whatever time of day you'd like. Secondly, a hot dog for breakfast happens all the time, just not with buns. I do it with a potato.
1: (laughs) I saw a video the other day of somebody cutting a bratwurst open, taking the sausage... Out making mm-hmm. a burger patty with it, Whoa. and if you're telling me that wouldn't make a delicious breakfast sandwich, Correct. I mean you're just wrong. So I, I don't know. I don't know where this person gets. At. Yeah, we're recording this in August 2023, and, and that is going around. I saw mm-hmm. that. Like, oh, espresso in the afternoon, cappuccino in the afternoon. It's uh, it's heretical. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. But I well, did good for like you for, make... pa- for paying for it. Uh, yeah, for absolutely. tipping for
0: it. Yes, yeah, so I tip for the cappuccino because I my new policy for tipping is how hard would it be to for me to learn that thing on the first day working here. And I can tell you, I have an espresso maker and it is actually pretty easy to screw it up and do it poorly. It, it becomes routine for people that do it, but you can make bad ones. You can And so I t- it's a skill and I'd go there every day. So I tipped above the expectation, which we'll talk about the expectation ranges and how they're going up in a second. But I didn't tip usually at all ever for them handing me a cup at
1: 6.30 in the morning. Well, you know, I, I think you're, del- you're negotiating a delicate relationship between giving somebody extra money for extra effort and giving somebody nothing for no real extra effort. And and in the present day in America, that seems to be like a, a solid baseline that people have to kind of walk themselves through every time they go to experience a place that has like a tipping option. Yep. The actual origin of tipping is... Kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting. It, so we, we've been talking about, oh, this is an American thing. People from across the pond are not going to appreciate this. But in fact, Nick... In 1997, these economists named, uh, uh, the last names are Gibson and Budvarson. Budvarson. They wrote this paper about tipping in the American Journal of Economics and Sociology. And they describe the origin of tipping there as being English pubs, uh, what they describe as many years ago. So, whatever that means, they say in English pubs many years ago, patrons began bribing servants with small tips at each encounter to receive a better service. So the idea is to give people more money to enhance the experience whether that's faster preferential treatment for like when stuff comes out of the kitchen or a little extra, you know, side benefits, whatever the case is. It started in English pubs, apparently. And they elaborate on this and they they, they there's a little footnote in this paper which normally I would read as a citation but I guess in 1997 they weren't doing that sort of thing. <laughs> they said apparently patrons would hand waiters Coins wrapped in paper upon which they wrote to ensure promptness or the acronym tip tip
0: to ensure promptness. And then that's, that's Allegedly. a point to no, know because then every, every time you hear a dad joke, say, how about a tip? Uh, don't do this. You can be like, that's not what it
1: means. <laughs> I, I mean, truly you can't. And they, and they say they, they refer to a citation for Hemingway, 1984. I, I didn't track that paper down. No, but, the alleged origin of this, you know, this is this is a publication, like I said, in the American Journal of Economics and Sociology. So it was initially like bribes to make sure that their experience is better. So in your case, you're you're totally divorced from that because you're ordering a beverage from somebody who's a professional at making that beverage and doing a quality job better than you can do. But it's not about like, well, you yeah, make mine before everybody else's because they just kind of do them in the order that they come in. It's not really it's not really about that. That's not why you're there.
0: Yeah. And it goes back to something else, which is your parasocial relationship with what is happening, right? So I would say, for example, I am a regular here. And me being a regular is worth far more to the people that work there and to the ownership than me tipping. Coming in twice a day on average, four days a week is worth so much more money than tipping 25% and coming in twice a week. By period, by a lot. Like be the regularness of that is super important. If you were among regular after regular after regular, like at say a bar, you would want to have a strategic advantage. That's game theory, and at that point, the race is on, which is sort of the idea here. Then there's some sort of weird social pressure, and we've mentioned this this study in the past about um, clean, like recycling. How financial incentives don't help recycling. Helping the earth doesn't help people recycling, but telling people that their neighbors are recycling helps recycling. So once you start, yeah. someone tips like, "Oh, that's a baller fucking move." I got a tip. I got to throw on some. I got to throw them some Benjamins or something.
1: Well, yeah, really. Uh, we, I guess. <laughs> we have been hitting on a lot of game theory stuff recently, where like the social pressure is yep. the is the driving factor. It's not. We we talk about all the time. You know, rational players will respond to incentives. Well, I mean human beings are social animals and whether they're rational incentives or not, I mean, social pressure really is a, is a significant factor. And in fact, in this study by Bovardson and Gibson, they wrote that tipping is a social institution. And one of the primary contributors to the reasons that people tip is that we would feel guilty for ignoring. Yep. And, and they, they did this. They, they, they're not just basing that on like vibes. I mean, they did a study of 697 patrons at restaurants in central Minnesota and they found that the rule of thumb that most people used is that gratuities are about fifteen percent of the of the original cost, and that's like factored into these people's calculations when they're kind of budgeting the price of eating out. They're like, okay, well if this is going to cost ten dollars or whatever, then it's actually going to cost me eleven fifty. So I can right. tack that extra, I tack the tip on there because that's just something that people do. It's not. It's not that, well, you know, this is the best way to ensure promptness for getting my service or this is going to result in a higher quality product. It's just a social custom that people do, Uh, certainly in Minnesota and and, and I would say the rest of the United States as well. And you're absolutely right. I mean, restaurants have kind of taken advantage of that and it's factored into calculations on the part of business owners as well.
0: Yes. So, uh, and it, that, and just like any other game theory concept, we're seeing this now with the release of the pumpkin spice latte. We've discussed that in our fall episode, which was a fun one. Same thing as the Black Friday thing. You release the pumpkin spice latte earlier and earlier, you open your stores on Black Friday earlier and earlier, then like the race is perpetually and you're going to get screwed. So, then the we understand that this is part of American culture, right? And mostly it's restaurants and that's part of the deal. Restaurants are the only business where it's part of the deal. You literally make less money than is legally allowed for any other job in the country because it is the expectation is that you will be tipped, which is a crazy amount of trust uh, for people in that industry. Like if I do a good job, I'll get tipped. Now I will say working in a place uh, like where I went to school and you went to school. Yeah. On weekends, you can make some bank being tipped by those those alumni that come in and get trashed. However, what if someone doesn't tip? You're just not going to get paid that day? So it's, it's it's a tough situation. Outside of that, once you have people that are making actual minimum wage jobs, or not minimum wage, higher than minimum wage, where tipping is starting to become a part of culture everywhere for every job, it's starting to be like really weird. And then in COVID, we had the weirdest thing of all. And I don't know if it was because of COVID or a result of COVID, or it happened at the same time as COVID. The Square Company put... Those touchscreens—they flip around after you turn your card, and then they watch you look at the screen and have to make a choice. That's the thing that—that's where we are now, and this—this this feels like where things are going to get serious because we're in a bit of a not a recession, a vibe session, as people are calling it. So tipping <laughs> is a great place to save a couple vibe bucks on a weekly session. basis. And but the restaurant people are like, "Well, are you gonna you're going to tip me?" Like, "Well, you're making minimum wage. That's not the purpose of tips." And I bet you doing a good job. I don't know. So that's where we are right now. That's how things are getting out of control. And of course, um, the. DoorDash, Uber, Instacart stuff is throwing a wrench in all of this as well.
1: Yeah, it is. We, I, I remember having this conversation with dad when he was, when Uber was first kind of coming out. And I, I don't remember when Uber dropped. It was like mid, early to mid to 2010s, right? Right.
0: Uh, yeah. My roommate's we dad drove in 2012 in Nashville for it. 2012.
1: Yeah, so so Uber's been out for well over a decade over 10, now, yeah. and I remember having this conversation with with Dad. He, and at the time, I think they were living in Billings, and there was no there was no Uber there. Yeah, like Uber hadn't gone to every state, and he he was on work trip or something, and he got an Uber from an airport. And I remember him having this conversation with us. He said, "Well, you know, I got the Uber, and it felt kind of weird." And he said he sat in the front seat, mm-hmm. which is kind of bizarre. Like if people who use Uber a lot know it's like, well, you know, just get in the back. So you give it a little space between yeah. between me and the driver. Like I'd rather have this be impersonal and not, you know, engage. Of for course, sure. you know, that's not true for everybody. Yeah. But I remember him saying, well, you know, I was really stressed the whole ride because I didn't know whether to tip. Like, do you guys tip Uber drivers? And at the time of the conversation, was like, well, you know, I guess not. I mean, they're being paid a decent amount probably. Otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. And I, you know, I, I just didn't know what the what the deal was with, like, is that, is there also a social institution in place for tipping Uber drivers? And in fact, I think there was, there was enough of a push, either by drivers, the general public, or both, uh, that in 2017, Uber finally added a feature to the app where you can tip the driver directly instead of having to, like, hand over cash if you feel they did a good job.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the game theory of that, or at least the decision making tree there. So, Uber originally traded on the fact that there was no tipping, which could save the consumer money in it. Like the original thought of Uber was that it could help people that know their city drive around a little bit and make a couple extra bucks, and that they would theoretically pay for some oil changes here or there or whatever. It'd be simple rideshare. It's not a service app. It's a quote unquote social, it's like a platform, a social media platform, which is just a bullshit tax excuse so that they don't have to pay drivers in case they use it. It's
1: very, it's very Dunder Mifflin. It's yes. Dunder Mifflin Finity 2.0.
0: It's exactly what it is. So the original idea was that if you're a bad driver, it's not that you would or wouldn't get a tip. We're not going to make it about money. They'll give you a bad star rating. And if your star rating goes below like 4.5, you're out for like a while. Same thing as as a rider. You want a good star rating. Are you a good passenger or a bad passenger? So you're in the standoff with driver and passenger and you don't see how people rated you until like much later later. That's like a really healthy kind of threat of violence situation. You add money in there and it gets real weird because now they're like, well, if you don't tip me, you're not getting a rating. Like, mm, I don't, I don't give the rating until the next time I open the app.
1: I think that's, that's fair. Like and I think probably, probably part of the reason for that is that the reminder pops up yes. if you open the app and you haven't already given the,
0: literally rating. that's what it works out perfectly. So that's become my thing. Like, Oh, I should do this more. Nope. I'm just going to wait till next time. So it can't be the tip and the, my rating or not related.
1: Well and the, so I'm I'm reading here from an article that uh, this person Andrew Hop, or Andrew J Hawkins wrote in the Verge in 2017 he was covering the story apparently this was part of this campaign by Uber to try to improve relationship with its drivers so yes. the, the the kind of goal of Uber was to marry this, like, demand for people getting around in their city with the availability of people who, like, I don't know, maybe they have extra time on their hands, or maybe they like driving, or maybe they're trying to get out of a cab job, whatever it is. People have cars and time, and other people have money, and so if they trade those things, they can provide a service where there's kind of a vacuum. And from the beginning, Uber prided itself on being a cashless experience. It's, this is marketed toward young professionals who were trying to get around and go to bars so they don't have to call a cab when they can get home if they've been drinking too much or so they can stay away from drunk driving and make things safer and more mm-hmm. convenient. And, and it was, it, it was kind of like a status thing. But as a result of that, drivers were, kind of feeling a little bit fed up. They thought, well, yep. you know, I'm 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 spending too much time on the road. I'm dealing with you know occasionally abusive customers. I'm dealing with people puking in the back of my car at three AM in busy districts. I don't really I don't really like this. Right. But if Uber doesn't have drivers who are willing to basically contract themselves out, then they don't really have a business model anymore. And so in right. twenty seventeen they had this campaign, this hundred and eighty days of change. <laughs> and part of that was adding an avenue for drivers to get more money directly into their pockets. Because obviously, you know, Uber as a company is going to take a share of the fee for every ride. And, you know, they, they split that with the driver. And, you know, it's really not a huge amount per ride on the driver's basis. But if you can get extra money directly, it, uh, it's, it's really much more convenient. And so it, it, as part of this campaign, Uber rolled out tipping. They rolled out the tipping option as, mm. a, as a beta trial in, in Seattle, Houston, and you guessed it, Minneapolis and <laughs> it uh it, it worked. They, they initially it was in like predetermined amounts and now I think uh in in 2023 I think the option is based on percentages of the ride or you can enter in custom amounts and you you can tip however you'd like to. But they they did this change I think uh, about 6 7 years ago now and here we are.
0: Yeah, so I think and I I can't remember if I mean, I, I the article doesn't really get into it, but I I, I believe that Lyft, it, the Uber competitor, L Y F T, had a tipping option first, and that that I kind it was of Lyft. A, Lyft, Yes, Lyft had a tipping option first, and as a result of that, then you're in a position where you kind of are, you have to do it to be competitive for drivers because drivers, many drivers, drive for both, and then of course you have unions of cabs in major cities, specifically you know Boston, Philly, New York, DC, that are like, hey, if I if they're making more money and we're making more money, now you get people negotiating cab fares and stuff. So if cabs get tipped, then Uber drivers are like, well, why the hell would I do this? Why didn't I just drive for Lyft or one of the other competitors? You have to be competitive for talent. So here we are. Tipping has arrived at Uber, which fine. Okay, they were kind of the ones that they bucked the system and then the system bucked them. Fine, that happens, whatever. Sure. However, the weird thing with the star rating is my issue there. Because if I don't tip and I get a bad star rating, well, then what the hell?
1: Yeah, If, if you don't tip and you get a bad star rating, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that's and th- that's the big issue. So oh, by the way, by the way the yeah. star rating okay. system is very weird to me too. It's like not five enough. star five stars unless it's it's five out of 5 unless something goes wrong like I don't know. Uh, for for a while I didn't understand it. I was I was giving people like average ratings. It was like, yeah, it was a three-star ride. Like the yeah. the per, the driver got me from where I wanted where I was started to where I wanted to go. Yeah, cuz your And right. I didn't realize it was like, oh no, it's five or or something went wrong.
0: Right, exactly. Well, that's the, that's the weird thing. And I can tell you as someone who can vouch for the phrase to get degrees, um, there is, and also as someone whose best math was done about a week before finals, there's a big difference between a four <laughs> out of five and a five out of five, folks. Uh, mathematically, I don't know if you knew that. It's like two, there's
1: just a, it's 20. That's like a lot. It's a big. Well I, well, I can only apologize to all the drivers that I that I yeah. potentially ruined their ratings. you didn't know the deal. I didn't mean it. it it wasn't below. I I just thought, well, you know, that was an average ride. I'm going to give an average rating. So then, that's not how the rating system
0: works. We talked about Doordash and their weird thing and how smart they are. Something interesting uh, happened in Doordash, and I have to I have to talk about this right now before we get into some of the things that are happening right now in Chicago and some of the legal parts of the decision making and when governments step in. So Doordash is you know Uber and Lyft for delivering your food. They go pick up the food from the restaurant. And the way that it works is they charge the restaurant to get the service. And then they also charge you, they get paid on both ends, the company and the drivers. However, there's a tip and the tip comes in before the the food is delivered, which makes a completely different set of circumstances. And now usually I get mad at, at people in the service industry that assume that the tip is required. And that's the part of, that's the part of tipping that really drives me nuts. Well, like it's not required. And you should be getting paid more. And if I didn't tip that, they would pay you a better salary, which is better than this. DoorDash is in a different situation. Because for them, if you're DoorDashing in a busy city or, say, like in a college town like Knoxville on a Saturday afternoon, and you see a bunch of orders come through, and you're like, yeah, the one with the $13 tip is going to get done. The one with the $7 tip will be second. The one with the $4 tip will be third. And the one with the $0 tip can stay at the restaurant.
1: I mean, honestly. It's it's hard to argue that that's not a rational decision. I mean, the driver has to look out for the driver's best interests, so their best interest is automatically higher tips. Yes. So Which, why bother with the ones that don't have the tip included?
0: I and I I cannot like I usually get mad at that kind of thing, but I can't fault them. That's game theory. So a TikToker it went is. viral, and I believe the TikTok has since been deleted. But there's this stack of DoorDash orders at this restaurant, and the the the, the restaurant worker was like, "These are DoorDashes that didn't have a tip." And some of them had been there for like three hours and they're like, we're not doing it. I don't want to. So if, if, unless everybody agrees at the same time with DoorDash not to tip, then they can kind of do this thing. It's, it's, it's a collectivist mindset union. With, we saw that with DoorDash. They wanted things with higher fares and further out. They were trying to game the system in our DoorDash episode. The tipping is no different. If they want $9 tips, they're going to get them or you're going to get your food 45 minutes later and not 25 minutes later. And that matters. Or you can get off your lazy ass and go get it yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I, that, that really is the the deciding factor here I mean tipping for doordash makes a lot of sense because I'm, it demonstrates an unwilling like ordering doordash demonstrates an unwillingness or an inability I guess yeah. <laughs> to go get whatever it is that you want right. to get, but you will just pay money to have somebody bring it to you but i I'm, I'm torn on that one because if the expectation is that there's just extra money thrown on top, I struggle to understand where that actually comes from because yeah I, I don't know. I'm of the crazy belief that it is reasonable to expect to receive goods and services for which you pay the market price. Right. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a reasonable thing.
0: Yeah. So we're, these platforms have created a situation where we'll just call them Silicon Valley. The Silicon Valley get people, people get paid. And then the people who are doing the exchanges don't get paid. However, because of, I guess, supply and demand, there has, there is, there has failed to be niche competitors. And that includes local delivery services. And that includes a, like say food specific delivery services. I remember Barstool Sports, um, the the CEO or whoever, the the main guy in charge, Dave Portnoy does a pizza challenge. He eats it by the pizza. And if he likes it, business goes crazy for that pizza place. So they've been doing, Barstool Sports has been doing pizza for a long time. They partnered with an app that was specifically to deliver pizza and it didn't work. Nobody, it didn't work because sometimes you don't. And we had this conversation when uh, our parents were visiting me to help us move in. We're like, well, why don't we just door dash a bunch of shit? Why, we don't have to eat at the same restaurant. Like, we just all, all door dash our own stuff. Like, it'll be around the same time. It'll be fine. But I mean, these other true. niche places can't compete with that kind of thing. So they're, they're kind of only competitors are other versions of themselves, which are just driving up prices on restaurants and consumers and driving down and, prices for drivers.
1: And as we know, those businesses are more likely to be clustered together. Correct. Because that's how they maximize their customer base while seeding the minimum ground. You can listen to that in episode number. Don't
0: no idea. Last summer, two summers no ago, idea. May, sometime in May, because <laughs> it was beach yeah, the time. clustering, There's the a clustering effect, the uh, yeah the, the the proximity paradox, clustering
1: effect. proximity yeah. paradox. Yeah, that's very. Right. We we talked about ice cream on the beach.
0: That's right. It was I a really lovely episode. I
1: I, I I completely agree. So that's that's what's yeah, happening. I got Gordon. blocked. I got I got blocked by one of the what? one of the DC city accounts for that episode.
0: Oh, yeah, when you were, like, that guy was like, people are standing in line for this ice cream, and they should be eating this ice cream. And you're like, well, no, they should just both be open.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the inspiration for that episode was the opening of a Jenny's ice cream down here in in my neighborhood in Washington. And people didn't really like that, because there was already an ice cream store nearby, and people said, oh, it's predatory, this and that, boycott this place, blah, blah, blah. And I tweeted something to the effect of, you can literally do standard business practices and people in D.C. will try to boycott you, and the account didn't like that. And yeah. I can no longer see their stuff. And we're all, honestly, we're all better off for it. But it is it is game theoretic that they should open yes. a business in the same neighborhood because right. that's how you cut your losses. That's that's the most efficient for everybody, really.
0: Yeah, delivery services can make a ton of money if you just got to figure out a way to make it profitable for you and a platform and drivers. It's really hard to start a business, and Silicon Valley has figured out a way to make it the most efficient. And
1: what you just—all you have to do to succeed in the business is find a way to get people to pay you money and minimize your costs. Yes, I. Think, I, I, I don't know why people don't try that.
0: I yeah. What an interesting conundrum. Then you say that, and uh, about a week before the earnings come out, and things go really well. I will say this: um, after going through Hulu, Netflix, Disney, which is another. Nightmare that all of a sudden we're just back in cable. I have to buy a bundle of streaming apps. It's going to be a nightmare. I cannot believe we can't think outside the box in this country. But the most important things to be one of those companies, similarly to being a delivery service app, is uh, usability. Just do what Netflix did. All of these other streaming apps just make your platform exactly theirs. It's just different colors.
1: It truly it is. I I don't understand. I don't understand how that's not well. Actually, I do understand how that's more standardized. It's not more standardized. It's because these apps and companies don't invest in user experience research. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, genuinely that's, true. Like they don't take the time to do that because it's it's costly and expensive, sure. and they would he, just rather hand. Here's some research.
0: To do what Netflix does. Engineers. Change the colors. Speaking of Netflix, which changed colors, the Bear on FX slash Hulu has been a show that a lot of people have talked about. Many people love it. It's, it's, it's in Chicago. It's a chef based drama show. And you think like, oh wow, we have too many chef based shows. We actually don't have enough chef-based shows. I love chef-based shows. They don't enough have
1: enough good shows with that cast and that production quality and that kind of writing.
0: Correct. Um, I The Bear stresses me out. I occasionally just need a scene with four minutes of people just talking just in an episode, but there's just a lot of stress in the show. I have not made it through watch, season one. Watch I will the get Christmas there. episode
1: season two. It's, people say it, it, it's, it's a lot of
0: an elite, uh It's an elite episode. I've heard that from a number of people. Okay, so Hulu, The Bear. Has brought a lot of attention to something's pork sandwich something in Chicago. I don't remember. Are you, However, are, you re-
1: are you referring to the hot be- hot Italian beef?
0: The hot Italian beef. Yes, the the sandwich place in Chicago that is now famous because of the other, the guy that has now started two mega famous Chicago shows. Uh, I don't know his name, but he's the guy that is the star in the bear. He was also the star I think, in. I think
1: his name is Mr. Chicago.
0: Oh, what the hell was that other show? Mike Ditka, with the uh, you know we'll look it up in a minute. Anyway, this restaurant has become famous now. In the wake of all of this, Chicago will become is trying to become the second largest city in these United States to ban tipped wages for restaurant servers, and there is quite the battle happening on the streets. So the mayor now, of Chicago, you, what's up? When
1: when you say ban tipped wages, what is that what exactly does that mean?
0: From the Wall Street Journal's reporting, quote. Chicago City Council introduced an ordinance in July to phase out by 2025 the tipped wage for restaurant servers and others who receive who receive tips, including employees of nail salons, car washes, hair salons, and parking services. The ordinance would require employer employers of tipped workers to pay them the municipal minimum wage. So what they're doing is cracking the code on game theory and using regulatory power to be like, you have to pay them. Nope they tips that are not going to be part of this you have to pay them the minimum wage required in chicago i don't like they and i honestly think i can't tell if this is a far left take or a far right take but it's, industry should not get around having to play by the rules everybody ha, banks have to pay minimum wage for people that sweep the floors like you
1: far, no worries, far no left, far left or far right. No, I think that's like a reasonable person's take. That's like a grown adult's take. That Thank you. Businesses participating in a system that is governed by the law should have to behave within the bounds of the law.
0: How'd you get around this the whole goddamn time? It's not fair.
1: Yeah, the, the, the tipping thing is a really, it, it's really very bizarre. You said it's the, Chicago's gonna be the second city to do LA, that? LA,
0: it's 75.
1: Well, hold on. Hold oh, your
0: horses, because oh, 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 oh.
1: I have a I have a personal experience with this uh, okay. as a, as a resident of our nation's esteemed capital. My fellow citizens of the District of Columbia recently voted on this oh, in yeah. the 2022 election. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll I'll I'm citing a Washington Post report, but I mean I remember reading this, I and mean, this is a report by uh, Justin uh, William Moyer. This was written in November 2022, the the day right after the election and there was uh, something called initiative 82 and it's it is it's a repeat of a previous referendum to try to get rid of DC's tipped minimum wage and the measure increased the the hourly rate for workers working in tipped or tipping jobs i guess from 5.35 an hour to 16.10 an hour so it basically triples their their hourly rate by 2027 so over 5 years businesses have to come up with a way to basically triple the cost of paying their employees. And some of the people that, that marketed, you know, they say, well, you know, vote yes on Initiative 82, argued that, well, you know, part of the deal here is to eliminate tips and make it more convenient because restaurant workers shouldn't have to rely on tips. Mm-hmm. I think that's a reasonable position. Sure. but But the problem is that people who are like opening small bars and restaurants, like people here love to like jerk themselves off over how local stuff is without yeah. realizing that they're basically paying the same three tours everywhere they go to pay their <laughs> yeah, price. Like, and every city
0: is like that. There are like nine guys yes. in New York, They're four in Philly, like every city is like that.
1: Yes. If people actually cared about local businesses, like truly local businesses that people can start, then they would be opposed to the measures like this one because it, basically makes it prohibitively expensive to pay people except for in cases where people already have a lot of capital from having successful restaurants and other businesses so to concentrate more power and wealth into the hands of the people who already have the most powerful powerful and or power and wealth then the people of the district of columbia said oh yeah we'll we'll raise those rates so they think they're they're paying for They think they're voting for workers to get more power, but in fact, they're voting for a cost of living increase for themselves because that's Mm -hmm. going to go directly into the bill. And we'll talk about how that has already in DC. Mm. And they're paying to make it too difficult for people to open small businesses that could potentially compete with these other large branded restaurants. So essentially they're paying into, they're voting into a system that standardizes, it, it, it kind of cements in power people who already have establishment in the market. And I just it's it's a weird interesting kind of game theory discussion. I mean, paradoxically to empower people to make the market more competitive and favorable, you have to vote for people to rely on lower wages and tips. So it's mm-hmm. either it's either I subsidize my server's check every time I go out or I make the the restaurant do it and expect to pay more for the bill anyway. And oh by the way, competitors can't open up as easily because it's prohibitively expensive.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad you said that word, the S word, uh,
1: subsidize. Yep, that, I mean, that's that's what it is now.
0: Sylvia Allegretto is, the, is an economist at the Center for Economic and Policy Research. She said on NPR exactly that. This is how Allegretto said it. It's a subsidy. It's a wage subsidy to the employer. It's not a tip. It goes to your wage. It's just the amount the employer doesn't have to pay you and people think that it's tipping for good service. It's not. You're paying the wage out of your own pocket in addition to paying the restaurant for giving you the food. That was supposed to be the person who made the food and brought the food to you. It was supposed to be their job. You're paying both people to do the same
1: thing. Yeah, you really are.
0: Yeah. So well, and and I agree with this, 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 this Game of Thrones in these cities. It, it goes exactly like this. And I will tell you why, how the social pressures of stuff can impact this. One of the four or five big dogs in Philly is this guy named Garcis. Garcis, Jose Garcis I believe his name is. He owns a number of very famous restaurants and bars and they're really cool and trendy and it's a very instagrammable. I like to say, I use this term, it's a for Grace place. Like if, if Topher Grace was starring in a movie, the opening scene would be at a restaurant like this, you know, like one of those kind of places. Like it's a I nice exactly restaurant, but it looks about. cool. Yeah, I mean, I think I nailed yeah. it with that.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, so, a good, that's a good description.
0: Thank you. He owns a Topher Grace restaurant. Um, it seems like every block once you get in a certain neighborhood of Philly. We booked to have our wedding there right before COVID happened and they were not pleasant to deal with. So now I have to consciously go out of my way not to financially participate in these restaurants, which is annoying, uh, for me because they were good. But also if I didn't know that they were him and I had to look them up and we knew who did what no one would know. Like they're just his restaurants. He's the guy that is the millionaire dude who owns the restaurants. If you don't think about that and try to support local businesses, the ones that pop up next to it, you can accidentally be supporting these millionaire guys. Like, Oh, here's a new restaurant. We're going to be really cool. It's trendy and hipster. Like no, no, no. That guy owns nine of those two of them are in LA.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's just how the, the restaurant business goes. I mean, it's just so hard to be successful in that business unless you already are, unless you already have like a huge right. amount of capital that you can that you can work with.
0: If you're not growing, you're dying, right? That's what they say. So the, the subsidy that's in DC. True. So how have how you you've been on the boots on the ground? Do you think that it's getting more equitable from the restaurant
1: business? Well, understanding that we're kind of on the wave or the back end of a wave of like pretty serious inflation following COVID. I mean, it sure. was a huge disruptive thing and, and everything is more expensive, right? Uh, it, it does seem to me that eating out is a lot more expensive than it, than it used to be. And I've noticed this thing that, so, so first of all, I, I want to address uh, something right away. So here's a, I, I there's another article by, uh, by Justin Moyer and uh, this time also by Tim Carman in the Washington Post. It's like, okay, how much should people in Washington tip for this? And some of this jives with my personal experience. Some of it, it really doesn't. And, uh, the first thing I want to address is their, their first, their first tip in the, how much to tip is. Hold uh,
0: <sighs> well on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Go.
1: They say 20% is never wrong. Oh. Now, I said not, I, I, not 15 minutes ago. I said that the established line in, uh, in this study from 1997 from Bovardson and Gibson, the established line is like 15% is pretty good. Yeah. I feel 18%. like that's, yeah. that's what it was. Well, that's what it was when we were growing up too. I mean, i heard mom and dad dad like, well, you know, if I first started figuring out what tips were, I thought, oh, that's really weird. And like, I was impressed that my dad could do calculations with percentages in his head. I was like, oh my God, that's that's genius that I'll never achieve. <laughs> yeah. And he said something about, you know, 15% is like pretty good. Round down, round up, if it was better or worse. And so it's not just that things have gotten more expensive because stuff gets more expensive over time. I mean, over 20 years, things, are, things cost more than they did uh, years ago. That's just how the economy works. Mm. But- the, the rate of tipping has also gone up. I mean, it's, it's increased by 33%. I mean, 20% is the standard? Like, I, I don't know, man. That seems like a lot. But so there are some restaurants in D.C. that are doing away with service charges because they're like, well, you know, we're supposed to be paying more money and our servers are getting more money, but they leave open the option and they say that you know, they, they interview somebody here who, uh, let's see, i got to find a first name, uh, Ana Maria uh, Jaramillo, and Gus May, uh, their owners of this restaurant, uh, La Tejana in Mount Pleasant, they all pay their employees 17 bucks an hour because they say, you know, it's that's built into the business model, whatever. Great for them. But they say that uh, uh, Haramio estimates that 95% of people still tip between 15 and 20%, even though employees make more money. So uh, however that works, that's great. I'm sure it's in the cost of, of the food. Uh, but there's this thing in D.C. that has happened in the wake of Initiative 82 passing yeah, this, this time around. And it's this service charge. Okay. So tips legally belong to workers, but a service charge is money that proprietors can use any way they want. So service charges have to be disclosed in some huh. way at the start of the ordering process. So a lot of restaurants now post COVID are doing like online ordering. You can scan a QR code cause they don't want to print menus or whatever. And included on that is this disclaimer that says when you order here, there's a 20% service charge included onto this. So now it, you have to like factor in, okay, I'm paying this price for the food, but I also have to pay 20 additional percent just because they can tack on a service charge now that they, they've, they've just said so. Yeah, And you know, they businesses talk about, you know, they distribute some to the staff and, and they do whatever. But still, I mean, there's a service charge there. Like, I don't think you're supposed to tip. Like you're really just not supposed to do that.
0: Yes. But, so,
1: but, but the Washington Post, of course, trying to trying to virtue signal and, and make its readers <laughs> think that they're very what? empathetic. No. Oh my God. They say, uh, figure out what the service charges for. Like, at, at the point at which I have to start digging into the like legal statements that are plastered onto a restaurant's website so that they then like try to understand the inner workings of their business model to f- figure out whether I should add a tip or not, is the point at which we've gone too far. I go to a restaurant so I can have a burger and a drink. I don't go to a restaurant so that I can try to find out like what are the social and ethical motivations of this restaurateur and what is this restaurateur's relationship with like no I'm not I'm not doing that stuff if there's a service charge don't tip just don't do it
0: I think and that's the thing that that, where this can get really convoluted because if they're requiring if, if any government entity can require there to be a service charge that's theoretically the same thing but if the social pressure remains the same we've got ourselves a conundrum and that conundrum Chris has a game theory name would you like to know it? I would. It's called the dictator game.
1: The dictator game.
0: The dictator game is highly debated in game theory. It has not been proven because social pressures are weird and unpredictable, as we have discovered time and time again on this particular program. So I will, yes. I will read for you the definition of a dictator game. It's an it. experimental instrument in social psychology. Okay. The term game is a misnomer because it captures a decision by a single player. The game works as follows. The dictator game is a derivative of the ultimatum game. In which one player, the proposer, provides a one-time offer to the other, the responder. I'm the player, you're the you're the responder. The responder can choose to either accept or reject the proposer's bid, but rejecting the bid result would result in both players receiving a payoff of zero. Okay, so like that's the ultimatum game. Essentially, right. Okay. In the dictator game, the first player, the dictator, moi, thank you very much, determines how to split the endowment, such as a cash prize between themselves and the second player, the recipient. The dictator's action space is complete and therefore is at their own will to determine the endowment, which ranges from giving nothing to giving all of the endowment. The recipient has no influence over the outcome of the game, which means the recipient plays a passive role. So we are assuming now that the people, the recipients of the tips are playing a passive role in the tips, which makes me, the purchaser, the dictator, which is really interesting because that's not the case. Social pressure from other dictators is like, well, you should do that, which is something that we find. In a paper that was published sometime about 10, 15 years ago. I don't remember. I can't find the citation. This is literally the double-spaced MLA version of it because I don't have JSTOR. So did I get this legally? We will find out. So great. Yes. What we are finding, substantial research, is that when people are asked to tip, a large minority of them Will split the, when people receive a tip in the restaurant. A large minority of them will share the tip. Large a minority, minority of them. Most of them will not share a single red dime,
1: as Dad would say. Wow. So the Correct. so the workers are not splitting the tips, a unless they're required minority. to. Right. So now
0: that these electronic tipping and the credit card tipping has happened and they're kind of required to lump it in the same pool. We are finding that tipping has become completely pointless. It's just a wage. So back then you could be like, okay, well should I share? Should I not share? I'm going to keep my own stuff. Uh, Nope. Now it's just in a, it's just in a pool. We are seeing me dictate what's happening to the server and the server dictate what's happening to everybody else. It is a, a a shit rolls downhill. man.
1: it does, it really does. Yeah. It's in, in, the power that you would think that rests in the hands of the dictator actually rests in the hands of the subjugated in this model. Mm. It, it rests yes. in the hands of the restaurant employees because the social pressure is so strong that it's, it's like a real, like a white Goodman, like I know you, you know, you, I know, you know that I know you say, like, well, the restaurant worker knows that, you know, that everybody else knows that tipping mm. is required and yeah. tipping is, is expected. Otherwise you're going to face some kind of like awkward social penalty
0: Right, which is essentially just what rock paper scissors was. I know that you know right. that I know that you know that you could go rock right now. So I'm going to go paper, and then we both both go paper because you know that I know that you know that I know, and then here we are. We're going to exactly. But forever, in this ever.
1: case, the difference is not the minimum stakes of rock paper scissors. It's not a luck based result. In fact, it has to do with somebody's livelihood, so the stakes are automatically higher. But it also it, it favors one of the players because the pressure is leaning in one direction. It's not a it's not a luck based thing whether you're right. going to tip or not it's a biased system because of the existence of the social pressure that influences the shape of the game.
0: Correct. 100%. So the only way to get out of this is for either daddy, the government to do it for us and make people pay a livable wage and make people, it's both because it's both sides of the coin. It's not just the rich people that own the restaurants or the businesses or whatever. It's also us. The government has to be like, okay, you're not allowed to now it's not, there won't be an option. You can slip anybody you want cash. It's America fine. It's not going to be one of those stupid screens. No one is allowed to do that. You can't do that. They can't do that. We're stopping this. Or we all have to collectively get together on the same page at the same time and be like, this is stupid. And, and I don't know how long you have been an American, but my guess is that is never going to happen about anything ever.
1: Yeah, I, I I think you're right about that. And, and you know, just to just to bring some of this this discussion to bear about we've talked about how this is like an American phenomenon, even though it allegedly originated in England. Obviously, uh, no. but you know what, America originally or originated in England, yeah. allegedly. Allegedly, and we're much better off than we were before. Everyone is really. There's a there's a really interesting blog post about this that 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 I think crystallizes a lot of what we're discussing. It's uh, it's by this person, Michael Cameron, who uh, is writing from uh, New Zealand, I think. He's a professor of economics at the School of Accounting, Finance, and Economics at the University of Waikato. I hope I'm pronouncing that right Mm. for those of you uh, who are Kiwis in the Player 3 cadre. But this blog post from 2017, uh, and this blog titled Sex, Drugs, and Economics. Nice. uh, (laughs) it's It's called Three Reasons Why Tipping is a Bad Idea. So remember, this is in New Zealand. Yep. So Professor Cameron... Breaks this down in terms of like is is tipping a rational behavior or not? All right. So you've got a relationship between the customer and the server. And because of that, you can kind of draw a Nash equilibrium decision tree and figure out what is the what's the Nash equilibrium of this system. And that's you you get the same decision tree. That's like a it's a second-order decision tree with four possible results. Same thing as drawing a matrix. So the first game, uh, uh, for the first way to, to draw this out begins with okay. the server. And the decision that the server has is, do I give good service or do I give mediocre service? Professor Kamitz says average service in the model. Okay. And then the question is put to the customer, do I tip or do I not tip? So you can have average service, tip or note tip, or okay. good service, tip or don't tip. Okay. And the assumption that you would start with in a place like New Zealand is that social custom is not in place. There's, there is no social history of people being expected to add value to their bill just because it feels nicer or whatever there's no social pressure present in this system and so when you're trying to figure out what the Nash equilibrium is you can kind of assign uh, professor Cameron assigns like arbitrary values to the to the ultimate outcome and so it looks like we're on a scale of minus six to six I don't I don't really know how he came up with those values but that's just, just so okay okay we're term, talking in terms of like payoff or, or not payoff. So minus yeah, six yeah. is So I see the matrix
0: in my head kind of, it's like a table, right? Yeah. Well, like yeah. the
1: matrix. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, yeah. so it, 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 we're like, like a decision tree. Yeah. So the theoretical payoffs that you would get in this kind of four option decision tree are average service, no tip, neither player gains anything. The yeah. customer gets average service at a zero. The server gets a, no tip. That's a zero. Yeah. Average service with a tip though, the server benefits quite a lot. The yep. server benefits, uh, he's given it a plus five here. And everything that the server gains, the customer loses. So this customer is losing out on a tip and and good service. Yep. So minus five. Then we can go over to the good service tree. If the server decides to give good service and the customer decides not to tip, well, the server had to put out a little extra minus Kinda. two. Yep. But the, server, the customer gains. Like, I don't have to pay anything extra and I got good service. So plus sure. six. And then the final possibility is that the server gives good service. The customer decides to reward that with a tip. The server benefits because they get money, and the customer benefits because they can feel good about having had a nice, pleasant meal with excellent service. But here's the, here's the question. The question is, can the server trust the outcome that they're going to get a tip on the basis of good service? Yeah. Yeah. No. Because they have to make the first move. Remember, yeah. we've we got to go through the order here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have to make the first move anticipating what your your adversaries, I guess your opponents, in this case the customer's, move is going to be. And the only way that a server can bank on a customer giving a tip is if it's social custom. Because the most rational thing for the customer to do no tip. is not to tip. Right. this is a friend or Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. The, the yeah. customer, I mean, you, you, you described it earlier, it's, it's a dictator relationship. The customer holds all the cards here. And so it doesn't really matter if the server chooses good or average service, the best thing for the customer to do is not tip. And so we get the Nash equilibrium, which would be rationally speaking, average service and no tipping. Yeah. I, however, I, no question. Oh, what however, bad service. Here we go. Well, no, 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 no. The, 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 the alternative here. Like, oh, okay. Well, the, the alternative here is to include this model with social pressure because the only way that you can expect a tip to come is if social pressure is already there. So that means that your most rational chart as a server is already is already drawn for you. And the reliance on social custom actually changes the Nash equilibrium, whereas the Nash equilibrium would be average service, no tip. In this case, the Nash equilibrium is good service without a tip. That's the closest thing to zero that you can get in this in this kind of payoff. And the reliance on social convention here is is really the compelling factor. I mean, it completely changes the calculation because it changes what the server can expect to anticipate. And in turn, it changes what the customer decides to actually do.
0: Yeah, so let's let's go through some stuff. Um, I bucked the trend a couple times that I've done some things that I think were a little clever way to do both and kind of protest a little bit, but also participate. The first one that comes to mind, we were having cocktails before dinner once. It was a double date and picked this cocktail place right after COVID well, COVID was happening, but it was also like things were opening up and vaccines yeah, sure. and whatever. Yeah, so one of the four drinks was super late. I would say 10, 12 minutes to the point where we're like we're on round two, this wow. person's not on round one. I'm like, well, this is unacceptable, but they also just opened there's mass and blah, blah, blah. But it was not really busy and I was watching the person who did the waiting, I guess it would be a waiter and a host was kind of chatting and the bartender was moving at a glacial speed and I was like, well, three out of four is not acceptable. So I went over there and I complained and they made the drink and they gave us a drink on the house and they said, we're sorry. I tipped. The amount that the drink
1: would have been, I think. I think that's a courteous thing to do in a place like a bar. Yeah,
0: and I said like, because I told what I told everyone there, and this is, I feel this, and this is I don't know if this makes me smart and noble or just a dick, but I, you vote with your money in this country, and I liked the place. They didn't crush it. They could have done better, but I wasn't. I do not want to punish them more than just saying like, yeah, I'm not going to pay you extra. You fucked up a little bit. We each could have had two. Um, You probably should have been making us two drinks each. You ended up making us one drink each. We got to go now. But I'm not going to financially say, like, this is on the house to say we're sorry. You said you're sorry, and we'll call it even.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a a reasonable thing to do in that system. Now, that said, in that case, we could go into moral hazard territory, uh-huh. according to Professor Cameron. So this is where Correct. it falls a little bit off the rails. So without, without the social pressure of tipping being like a normal thing to do and expect, I think Professor Cameron has become a little bit unmoored because in this blog, the third reason that tipping is a bad idea, it's, so the first is that it's, it's not rational. The second is uh, second order effects about like increasing the cost of the meals. I don't sure. like doing that. I no. I'm not a huge fan, but the third reason that is offered in this blog. So after the game theory calculations, it's that tipping could be considered a form of corruption. Mm -hmm. So in this case, you're paying somebody the cost of what it would have cost for a drink. So you are Mm -hmm. basically even and the bartender gets to keep all of the money that you gave, but the owner's responsible for buying the inventory like mm-hmm. That's coming out of the the business, but so you basically basically just the bartender stole from the business by giving you a free drink and getting the exact amount of money. In fact, probably more money, uh, based on what the cost of 100%. the drink was. That's and exactly. uh, the, the the funniest thing to me, the, the the cherry on top of this little claim, is that it could be considered corruption because uh, tipping is supposed to be rewarding a recipient for good service. The World Bank defines corruption as the offering, giving, receiving, or soliciting, directly or indirectly, anything of value to influence improperly the actions of another party. And then oh. Cameron, Cameron goes, "Isn't tipping to reward good service, providing nah. something of value to influence actions of another party? We could we could quibble over whether the influence is improper or not, but the point is valid. So
0: the origination, okay. the, the origin of tipping is corrupt." I'm going to give you a couple extra bucks on the side so you give me wetter than my buddy. Give me, fill me up first. Fill me up second before you can get that guy once. That's, yeah, this is, is a race. It's, it's, it's literally like the easiest thing. Give me more money for more stuff.
1: I just want to calculate, uh, calculate... I want to congratulate Professor Cameron for calculating, I think, the lowest possible stakes for <laughs> which you could technically describe something as corruption.
0: Also, I want to say, if, you ever, if anyone, if you ever in the wild hear, the blank defines blank as blank that you can tune out for at least 10 seconds.
1: If you're not, the unless you're Oxford at English wedding. dictionary defines, defines welding. wedding.
0: <laughs> fusing yes. of two metals with a hot torch with a fusing, little office joke for you there. Of course, Chris, um, do you, what do you tip for
1: as you get out of here? That's a good, uh, I, I only tip people for things that I couldn't do myself. Mm-hmm. I don't, my rule I don't tip of people on. at restaurants where, I do, however, tip my urologist. Oh yeah. So I cannot pulverize my own kidney stones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a little Dwight quote from that last Thanksgiving a waitress somewhere in the south I think in Arkansas I could be wrong was pregnant and she worked at an IHOP and she found a way to manipulate the receipts because she found that no one fills out the customer copy or ever takes it so she would like turn a three into an eight and she did it for like a month and a half and made a couple hundred bucks before a manager noticed and she was smart she did exactly what we tell you to do don't, don't put a one in front of the three just turn it into an eight just a simple little eight five bucks not ten bucks I subtle see. But fraud. she got caught because she's not. Uh, she wasn't subtle. She wasn't chill.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> low low level fraud will take you much farther than trying to win the big boys. Listen to our cheating episode, lady. Yeah, absolutely. And uh,
0: Re- game respect game. A three hundred bucks uh, worth going to jail over? Probably not. Maybe I don't know. Worth trying though. Yeah.